Hello and welcome to Hari Cuts. I'm Hari Stephen Kumar and this is The Long View, week two. Today is Wednesday, October 21st. Two weeks to go, 13 days till election day in the election of our lifetimes. And what I'm doing in this Long View series of podcast episodes is every week I bring you stories from on the ground with everyday people like you and me working our butts off to defeat Trump in this election. And this week, I actually bring you a mixture of high-tech, digital, behind-the-scenes stories with the Wisconsin Democrats and, surprisingly, yesterday, a low-tech, old-school letter that I got in the mail from a mysterious Wisconsin voter, somebody whom you've actually met in a previous episode. So stay tuned for more about this, this, uh, this mystery voter. But this week, the theme is really about behind the scenes. And uh, I'm going to take you now to some experiences that I've had this past week working directly with the Wisconsin Dems, uh, with with, with the Wisconsin Democratic Party and Wisconsin Democratic field organizers uh, as we have been preparing for a critical week this week when early voting in person began in Wisconsin. Exciting times in Wisconsin. The election has truly started. It's, It's here. People are lining up by the hundreds of thousands in Wisconsin to go vote in person. So come with me behind the scenes to see how it all comes together. Oniva. So last week, I got recruited by the Wisconsin Democratic Party to actually join their rapid response team of volunteers. And uh, this is a team of folks that are trained by the Wisconsin Dems to support voters directly with questions, uh, but also to do specialized outreach uh, calls with the Wisconsin Dems to try to recruit uh, phone bankers, to try to recruit poll workers, poll observers, and so on. And so... Uh, This past week, I've gotten immersed into the world behind the scenes and gotten to see how the Wisconsin Democratic Party and the the Wisconsin Dems, the field organizers, how they actually organize volunteers. um, And I've gotten to meet other volunteers. So what does that actually look like? Well, so these past few days, one of the things that I've, uh, I've been doing every day is I've been logging in to the Wisconsin Dems Slack channel. So... They have a, uh, they use the program Slack, and in Slack there's multiple channels where uh, there's a, there's several of us that are on their rapid response team. One of these channels is dedicated specifically just for phone bank volunteers, and at any given time in that in that channel, um, that channel has over 5,000 members, and uh, at any given time in that channel. There are hundreds of, of volunteers from all around the country signed in and making phone calls with the Wisconsin Dems. I'm part of a smaller group of rapid response volunteers, um, and we have a separate channel in Slack, and there's about 130 of us. Um, and of those 130, I'm also part of a group of volunteers who have been given database access uh, to the Wisconsin Dems' actual voter database. And so part of what my... Uh, what that looks like for me 
is that I log into Slack and I log into the Wisconsin Dems voter support database. And uh, as people are making calls on, on the rapid response team, if they uh, talk to a voter who has a specialized request, um, uh, they post that in the Slack and I take it from there and I go into the database and I, I correct the record or, or in some cases I do a specialized callback myself. Uh, to, a, uh, to a voter because I can then actually enter their information directly in a database since I have database access. Um, and this community of volunteers, uh, you know, there, there are people on this Slack channel 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There, there are multiple people signed in and out uh, throughout the day making phone calls, uh, doing uh, priority requests. And the Wisconsin Dems, the, the, the field organizers, the staff, the paid staff for the Wisconsin Dems, they're also in the Slack channel. And, and so very often there will be conversations happening where uh, volunteers are asking very, very specific questions. And immediately somebody from the Wisconsin Dems will, will, will respond, provide the right answer, uh, give, them, give people guidance on exactly what they need to do. And so some of the Wisconsin Dem staff are actually directly uh, connected with me and, and they send me directly through a direct message, uh, specific projects that they want me to jump on and call. Uh, or they will organize a small sub team of three or four people uh, and ask us to spend an hour or so jumping on very, very specific calls. Um, and so I usually do, do this uh, in the afternoons after work. Uh, but it's been really interesting for me to kind of just watch the Slack channel, even during work in the background, uh, during a meeting, just to kind of uh, notice some of the questions that are being asked and some of the interactions that people are having. This community of volunteers, uh, it's it's been so invigorating to, to feel a part of this community in the Slack channel. Um, some of the folks are signed in and calling in from California, from from Seattle, from from uh, uh, from Washington State. So, you know, some of them are actually in Wisconsin. Um, some of them are in D.C. Um, in in you know in Massachusetts where I am and and, and other places. Um, and they they vary widely in in age, you know, based on how they're describing themselves. Um, you know, one of them uh, is a 72 year old guy. And uh, he's uh, posting about, and you know, and he's 72 years old, and he has mastered Slack, and he's one of the first to chime in with with answers or, or uh, post a question. He's making these calls, and he's actually trained to staff the voter assistance hotline. Um, that's something that I'm trained for as well on the voter assistance hotline, and I know that the voter assistance hotline requires you to juggle three different really complex websites, and uh, you have to actually read through the Wisconsin election um, uh, policies and procedures uh, handbook, um, and it's it's actually a manual. You have to read through the Wisconsin election manual, and then you have to actually take a test in order to be qualified to staff this this hotline. And and so I'm just blown away by this 72-year-old guy who has committed himself, he has studied that manual, he has passed that test, he's staffing that hotline volunteer, uh, mastering those three different websites, and uh, it, it, when he's not doing that, he's on Slack, and he's, you know, keeping on top of all the different threads, um, and that's that's just an inspiring thing. Meanwhile, the Wisconsin Democrats themselves, the field organizers, I've just been really impressed by them. They are 
They are so young. They are just so young. They they seem like they're in their 20s and they are just they're just so passionate and so committed and I I see them in the Slack channel all the time, uh, late at night, early in the morning. Um, and they are just so incredibly mature. I've seen uh, them handle some really difficult questions and, and you know, some volunteers getting really annoyed at certain policies and, and posting, you know, saying, oh, this doesn't make any sense. And, and I'm getting riled up when I see that, you know, and I, I'm, my temper is rising when I see that question. But then I see the Wisconsin Dem staff, you know, jump in and respond to it very politely, very responsibly, um, and, and just move right on along. And I see people immediately de-escalating and saying, oh, I'm sorry, my, my bad, I didn't mean to ask it that way. I get it now, thank you for explaining, and on we go. Just, just really masterful organizing that I'm seeing uh, by the Wisconsin Dems. Now, part of what we're doing, uh, especially this past week, Tuesday, yesterday, is when the polls opened up in Wisconsin for early voting in person. So a lot of what we've been doing this past week with the Wisconsin Dems has actually been recruiting poll observers and preparing for a huge inflow of voters going to the polls early in person and then calling our voter hotline with you know very, very specific questions. So let's now switch gears a little bit and meet some poll observers and understand a little bit more about poll observing and what do poll observers do and why are they important for Wisconsin? Come with me now to the world of organizing, the task of organizing these poll observers. Let's go. So what are poll observers and why are they important? So in Wisconsin, there are 1,800 municipalities and polling locations. Now, each polling location in Wisconsin has to have a certain number of poll workers to open up the polling location and actually be open for people to come in and and vote. Now, uh, each of those polling locations also needs to have poll observers. Now, they can open a polling location without having poll observers, but given the range of voter suppression tactics that we can expect the Republicans to to use in this election, and really, frankly, given the range of complicated pieces of Wisconsin election law, even these poll workers that are needed to open up a a polling station, we've been doing heavy recruiting on poll, poll workers because there's a huge shortage of poll workers. Poll workers typically are elderly, and in Wisconsin especially, uh, COVID is on the rise in Wisconsin, and poll workers have been really difficult to come by. And so we have recruited a whole bunch of poll workers. And so there's so many poll workers in Wisconsin right now who are brand new to poll working. They have never worked the polls before. And so poll workers themselves might actually be a little confused about some of the requirements of, of Wisconsin election law. So for example, one of the requirements is that people are supposed to show photo ID in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a photo ID state. And so a voter might show show up at a polling station with photo ID, but the poll worker might not know that that photo ID is actually an eligible photo ID uh, from a list of types of photo ID that are accepted by the state of Wisconsin. So in that kind of situation, a poll worker might incorrectly turn away a voter, even though the voter had the right 
photo ID. So in that kind of situation, a poll observer who might notice that can actually alert the poll worker and remind the poll worker and show them in the Wisconsin election manual that that, vo that voter was actually providing the right photo ID. That's just one small example of a, a voting irregularity. Uh, and in that case, really an innocent voting irregularity that, that a poll observer might notice. There are, of course, more intentional voting irregularities that the poll observer might might notice. There might be, for example, voter intimidation tactics. A group of protesters might show up at a polling location, especially on the Trump side, um, and try to intimidate voters in, uh, by you know waving Trump signs. Uh, and, and Trump has actually been asking for armed uh, people to go to the polls and be militias outside these polling locations. Now, there's actually laws in Wisconsin about, you know, you can only, uh, you have to be, you know, over 100 yards away from a polling location to do any kind of campaigning. Like within 100 yards of a polling location, you can't have, you know, campaign merchandise or uh, advertising for a particular candidate. Um, uh, so, you know, showing up at the polls wearing a Trump hat or wearing a Biden hat uh, is actually not allowed. You can't go and vote wearing a Trump hat, you know, or wearing a campaign uh, button. Um, but you can stand right outside that hundred yard zone, and you can wave campaign flags, and you can you can yell at people, um, and 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 some 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 of that some of those tactics can verge on intimidating voters, uh, and so a poll observer can notice that and actually alert the the local Wisconsin Democratic field par, uh, uh, office. Uh, who can then take the appropriate response, which might be, depending on the scale of voter intimidation, it might be to call law enforcement, uh, it might be to actually alert the uh, the municipal clerk and the uh, the poll warden for that particular place, uh, because it's the responsibility of the municipal clerk to ensure a safe and open and fair uh, voting environment for voters to come. So, so that's a crucial role that poll obs observers play. Now, if there are 1,800 polling locations in Wisconsin, each polling location is allowed to have one designated poll observer per official registered party in Wisconsin. And there are four registered parties in Wisconsin. There's the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the Green Rainbow Party, and the Libertarian Party. So which means that from the Democratic side, if we want to ensure that we are protecting the vote, we need... 1,800 poll observers. And so this is what happened this past week is I've, I saw and I helped the Wisconsin Democratic Party organize and recruit these 1,800 poll observers. And the training effort for this was just Herculean. And um, the Wisconsin Dems, uh, of course, you know, we're doing all of this virtually. We're abiding by COVID restrictions and, and, and public health measures. We're not uh, um, putting poll observers in danger. So all of these training sessions for poll observers are happening via Zoom last week. Um, so over 1,800 polling obser poll observers getting trained just through Zoom. And then last Saturday was a, was a really cool, innovative event. The Wisconsin Democrats actually arranged a dress rehearsal an actual rehearsal where they had poll observers sign in, use their poll observing uh, website uh, reporting uh, platform on their phones or on their tablets, and then role play a few different scenarios that they might experience at the polls. 
From what I can tell, the Wisconsin Democratic Party is the only party in the uh, state party in the country to have actually done a full-scale rehearsal for poll observers just before early voting has started. And last Saturday, we had over 1,300 poll observers sign into Zoom, a 1,300-person Zoom session, and the Wisconsin Dems walked them through uh, the rehearsal gave them their poll observer manuals, and those are 1,300 folks that are trained to go to polling stations this week. The remaining 500 that weren't able to make it this Saturday are getting uh, another rehearsal this coming week. And so part of what, what I've been doing is calling people to confirm whether they can come to these rehearsals. And then this week, yesterday, Tuesday, early voting opened. So in most places in Wisconsin, People now, now can go to their municipal clerk's office and vote in person early before the election, before election day. And so we need poll observers for each of those early voting locations. And so yesterday and day before, uh, those of us on the rapid response team, the team Slack channel in the Wisdoms has been just completely busy with poll observer recruitments, uh, callbacks from poll observers, uh, people that we're recruiting for poll observers calling us back and saying they can't make it, in which case I have to go into the database and mark them as, as no longer being available. Or in other cases, poll observers call, you know, uh, volunteers calling to, to say they are available and they want to sign up for the next session, in which case I have to go into the database and enter in that information as well. So it's been really, really busy in the Wisdom Slack channel. While that's going on, uh, you know, I've been noticing people on the Wisdom Slack posting various stories of of you know volunteers calling and so on, and I got on the phone myself to call a few poll observer volunteers to confirm, and so I want to share with you anonymously a couple of uh, really inspiring stories, a few inspiring stories. One of them, I I picked up the phone, I called this person, and uh, I'll, I'll call his name R, uh, and R picks up the phone. And it turns out R is an Indian origin uh, grandfather. And, uh, and so I begin talking with him. And my main goal there was to confirm that he can um, be a poll observer for tomorrow, uh, for, for today, uh, Wednesday, at a certain city, at Beloit. So I call him. This is on Monday. I call him and I say, hey, R, hey, I'm calling just to see, you know, um, uh, can you make it? Uh, are you confirmed for Wednesday to be a poll observer? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, Wednesday, I'm going to be there in Beloit. And he goes, I you know, I got an email. I'm actually going to be in Sheboygan tomorrow, Beloit on Wednesday. I'm going to be in Waukesha on Thursday, Milwaukee on Friday. On Next week, I'm going to be driving to, to Milwaukee again, then Sheboygan, Sheboygan a couple days, and then back to Beloit. And so I'm sitting there listening to him like, wait, what? How many, how many days are you going to be a poll observer? And he goes, uh, all of them. Uh, up to election day, uh, every single day of early voting and election day, I'm going to do it. I'm a grandfather. I'm I'm retired. I I can drive. I'm going to do it. And I I, I I told him, wow man, that's that's a lot of poll observing. Thank you for what you're doing. And then he said this. He said, I have to. It's for my grandkids. I'm doing this for them. And that's just one of the volunteers, you know, that I that I personally spoke with. Meanwhile, you know, and, and he and I then caught up on how both of us are from India. We're both Indian origin immigrants, uh, and and he shared stories about, 
you know, being in Wisconsin as a as an Indian origin immigrant, and and um, you know, and we had this moment of sort of solidarity, uh, and I was really hopeful to have that conversation with him. In the Slack, I, I saw a few other really really moving stories. Um, you know, Monday night, uh, just before you know Tuesday's early voting opening up, we got an urgent message in the Slack channel saying that we needed uh, last minute poll observers for Milwaukee, the the city of Milwaukee. Uh, we were uh, they were they were expecting a very very high number of voters coming in, and we needed more poll observers in Milwaukee for the poll polling locations that were going to be opened up in Milwaukee. So we had to do a bunch of urgent calls Monday night to try to get people to to come. And one of the people on our on our Slack channel posted this inspiring story of a lawyer in Illinois, over 300 miles away from uh, Wisconsin. Uh, and the lawyer posted saying that that they were going to begin driving Monday night and 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 get to Wisconsin early Tuesday morning and be available to be sent wherever we needed them. They were they were a trained poll observer with us. They had attended the rehearsal on Saturday. They were prepared. They're ready to go. And as soon as we called, they had been planning on being a poll observer later in the week. But as soon as we called, this person got in their car and began driving north to get to Wisconsin by early Tuesday morning. Similarly, um, we had uh, on a separate set of calls, um, we ended up having a a lawyer in California uh, who is going to fly into Wisconsin uh, this coming Friday uh, and attend the next rehearsal that we have this coming weekend um, and then just rent a car and drive around all around Wisconsin all of next week to be available wherever we need that lawyer. Lawyers especially are are in high demand as poll observers because they have a, they have a real clear sense of, of the law, especially around election law. Um, and and so it, it was so inspiring to see lawyers just you know volunteering. This, the poll observers are, are volunteer positions. Nobody gets paid for them. And so these lawyers are are volunteering their time. To, to drive, to fly in from other states just into Wisconsin uh, and, and and committed to being there for multiple days in Wisconsin for free on their own, at their own expense um, to be poll observers. Uh, one of the touching stories I, I saw was uh, one of our volunteers called somebody uh, and then posted in Slack saying, ah, this person was interested when I called to follow up. You know, she said that she's a mom, she has a 10-year-old son, and, you know, can't really be, uh, you know, in the polling station all day. Uh, And so can you please mark her in the database as a no? And so just as I was about to go pull up this person's record in the database and enter this person as no, I got, there's a message in the Slack that got posted saying, uh, no, actually, this person called back. It turns out her 10-year-old son heard her talk on the phone and say uh, no to poll observing, and her son said that he wanted to go with her to the poll polling station and be a poll observer with her. And so the mom is calling back saying, I want to go. I'm trained. I, I, I want to take my son with me. And so now we have this mom and her 10-year-old son uh, about to go be poll observers in, in, a, in a city in Wisconsin. And so this brings me to just the the intense amount of passion and dedication and commitment that I'm seeing from volunteers like myself who are signing into the Slack and we're sharing our stories with other volunteers during downtimes, but especially the story of Wisconsinites themselves, 
people uh, on the ground in Wisconsin, voters in Wisconsin, people who are becoming poll observers in Wisconsin, stepping up and changing their lives around just to be able to go vote and just to be able to go protect the vote. That now brings me to this letter that I got from one of those actual voters. So let's now switch gears and read this letter. It's Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, and the mail carrier has just driven past my my house, and I take a break during work to step outside and check the mail. And as I open the mailbox, I see among some bills and some junk mail, I see a, a little pink envelope. And it's got my address on it. And it's got a Wisconsin address on the top left. And it's from Linda. And it brought me back to talking to Linda on the phone as a phone banker about a month ago. Linda is an elderly voter who lives in the southwest part of Wisconsin in a rural part of the state. Um, And when I called her about a month ago, I was calling her as part of a phone bank that was calling back voters who who had left messages with the Wisconsin Dems asking for help with voting or with their ballot. So when I was calling Linda um, and when she picked the phone up, I had, I was just introducing myself as a volunteer with the Wisconsin Democrats. And her response, she was elderly and she was a little gruff at first. And when she realized that I was actually calling from the Wisconsin Democrats, she just brightened up and she told me on the phone, she was like, oh, thank you. I thought you were going to be one of those telemarketers. Uh, I've been wanting to talk to a Democrat. Um, and it turns out that Linda is surrounded by Republicans, doesn't get to talk to many Democrats, and is really passionate about beating Trump. So she was so excited to talk to a fellow Democrat. She shared with me her story, which is that earlier this year, Linda had been hospitalized for five months and was recovering from surgery and had just returned from the hospital a few weeks before I called. But it turns out Linda is a bit of a firecracker, elderly as she is, Right after Trump got elected, Linda began calling her senators and her Republican congresspeople and even the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell every day since the election. Every single day, Linda would call dozens of, of, of people, senators and congresspeople. She got her family involved, her sister and her brothers and, and her cousins, into calling. She said that the only time that she did not call was those five months when she was in the hospital when she was not able to call. And so, of course, in that phone call with her, I tried to recruit her as a phone banker, and she said that her her voice was still recovering and she was only able to make uh, two phone calls a day, and so she was reserving those to call her senators. During that call that I had with Linda, uh, I helped her out of the questions she had about voting early in person, um, and she also wanted help getting lawn signs for Biden, for the Biden campaign. Uh, And back then, about a month ago, long signs for Biden were in short supply in Wisconsin. And she shared with me that she was, you know, retired, uh, money is tight, 
and uh, she couldn't afford to buy the lawn signs, and so she was calling the Democratic County office for free signs, and they were they just did not have enough to, to share. Um, and she also shared with me that she had, uh, uh, despite not having enough money, despite being on a very, very, very tight budget as a retiree, recovering from serious medical conditions, um, she had committed to sending in uh, some small amount of money to the Biden campaign, less than $30. I got so inspired by Linda's example that I decided to actually buy her a Biden lawn sign and send it to her. So I took down her address and I sent her a letter and I and I, uh, and I I got a call back from her a few weeks later when she got her Biden lawn signs. And I mentioned that in one of the previous podcast episodes. And so that's how you all probably know Linda from a previous episode. And so now here I am, with a letter from Linda, a card from Linda in my hands as I walk back in Tuesday evening. I open it up and inside is this little card. And I wanna, I wanna just read out to you what Linda wrote to me because I think this message is, is, is for all of us who are working really hard to try to beat Trump in this election. Here's what Linda wrote to me, but also to all of us. Dear Hari, writing is still difficult due to some leftover tremors. But I want you to know you are daily in my thoughts. As with all my family and special friends, I include you in being surrounded and comforted by angels and good energy. Our conversation encouraged me and lifted my spirits. Thank you for all you're doing. I have to believe that our country is better than these last four years. There are days I feel such shame for us as a country. I'd like to shout out that we have thousands upon thousands of individual souls like you who are working to prove we are not a reflection of this president. Thank you again for all you are doing. Don't lose hope. Linda. I wanted to read that out and I wanted to, to use that as a way to wrap up this particular episode as, as a reminder um, for, for so many of us who have been doing phone banking and have been calling people into Wisconsin or to other states, Pennsylvania, Florida, Ohio, you know, there are people like Linda who are in deeply Republican parts of the state or are feeling very isolated due to COVID and quarantine. And that phone conversation with a volunteer uh, goes a long way toward encouraging somebody like Linda. You don't have to, you know, buy a lawn sign like like I did. Just calling somebody and, and having a conversation with them has this huge impact on real people who are feeling, you know, real, you know, distress and shame and energy and emotion about trying to, to get this guy out. And, and, and people like Linda and, and Frank from a previous call, people recovering from serious surgery and still committing to do everything they can to try to defeat Trump in this election. This is a truly historic moment. And, and it's these kinds of, of folks like Linda, um, like the 72-year-old 
uh, a volunteer on the hotline shift, like the grandfather who is committed to so many early voting in person, putting himself at risk of COVID as an elderly person, but doing it for his grandkids. It's these kinds of people that are making such a difference in this election. These are the stories that should be written, should should be told to, to future generations. But here we are, two weeks out. Don't lose hope, Linda says. So, of course, I'm feeling anxious. I'm looking at the polls. <laughs> and the polls go up and down every day, and it's, it is so nerve-wracking. And there's, there's PTSD. So many of us remember that in 2016, the polls also showed Hillary Clinton winning. So why should we trust the polls now? There are actually three good reasons to trust the polls. But I'm going to end this, this episode with a reflection from, a, uh, from another podcast. Here are the three major reasons that, that uh, we should feel uh, good in the polls or trust the polls. The first is that the polling errors that were there in 2016 were due to a variety of factors. A lot of polling organizations underrepresented certain key demographics in their polls. And these key demographics were the ones that turned out for Trump. Those polling errors have been corrected now, and polling organizations have learned a lot more about how to do more accurate polls, specifically to target the kind of Trump voters that took us by surprise in 2016. In 2018, the 2018 polls were actually a lot more accurate for the midterm elections. So that's one hopeful sign. The second hopeful thing is that Hillary Clinton's lead was never as big as Biden's lead is now. Um, and, and, and there's a real... Um, impact on on Biden really having not only a huge lead, but Biden being consistently polling above 50%. Hillary never hit above 45, 46, 47% or so. Um, so the strength of Biden's lead and Biden actually polling above 50% is a second key reason to, to feel somewhat confident in these polls. The third key reason to feel confident in these polls. The big difference between these polls in 2016 is that in 2016, about 15% of the electorate was undecided. Both Trump and Hillary were phenomenally unpopular candidates. Um, neither Hillary nor Trump hit above 50% in their, in their polls. And in fact, both of them were ranked very, very unfavorably throughout the election. So there were 15% or so of the election that just did not like either of them. And that 15% in the last two weeks of the election broke pretty heavily toward Trump. Or to third-party candidates. There was a third-party candidate, Jill Stein, who actually got a fair, a non-trivial percentage of the of the vote. And in certain key states like Wisconsin, Jill Stein actually got more votes than the margin of victory for Trump. This election, a big difference is that Joe Biden is actually a lot more liked than Trump. The number of undecided people in this election is less than 3%. And there are no serious third-party candidates on the ballot, and third party, the third-party vote is under 1%, which means that 97, 96-97% of people have uh, decided to vote for either Biden or Trump. And of those 97 people, Biden has a 10% lead over Trump. And Biden is more liked than Trump. As, as his favorables are consistently above that 45% to 50% mark. But even given all of that, John Lovett, who is a podcast host for Pots of America, 
had this really useful uh, insight. Uh, and I'm going to share this. This is what I'm trying to hold on to. Go to bed every night, looking at the polls, looking at the lead that Biden has, looking at the lead that he has in these swing states, looking at the projections, and go to bed feeling good about those. Trust that, the, that these reasons are sound. And have a good night's sleep. When you wake up in the morning, don't believe the polls. Doubt everything. You know, worry, worry like heck that the polls are missing something huge this time around. That Trump is going to figure some somewhere around, and that there's a huge, there's going to be this huge polling error. And so, when you wake up, worry, 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 and then organize. Get on the phone. Make these calls. Volunteer. Um, send postcards, get your friends and family to vote, make sure that people know how they're registered, worry the heck out, but do that during the day when you can actually do something about it rather than at night. So on that note, I want to leave you with that, that rumination. And as we close out week two, and we look ahead to the next two weeks, I hope you all are staying healthy, staying dangerous, and staying tuned. Thank you.